0: friends, welcome back to Just the Good Stuff, the podcast that is the new kid around the block around here. I hope that I didn't completely scare you or bore you in the last couple episodes and I'm grateful to even have you here today. Thank you so much for joining us and today's episode is definitely going to be a little bit more deep and a little sad, a little emotional, a little bit of this, a little bit of that because we are talking about infertility and the journey to starting a family something that Jordan and myself struggled with for a couple of years and something that my very close friend Abby Cannon also went through with her husband Rob. And there are no words to truly describe the journey to start to trying to start a family and the trials and tribulations that come with that. It is something that really takes a toll on you physically, emotionally. We get to this in the episode, but as as a as a woman, it just made me feel, like I like I wasn't a female maybe like I wasn't a female like I wasn't doing what I thought my body should be doing and I don't mean to sound like an anti-feminist or uh, please don't like hold this against me but I did not feel good about my body because it wasn't doing what I thought it was supposed to be doing to start my beautiful family with with, with my husband and it's this whole journey really took a toll and took a toll on us and it wasn't easy to have our beautiful amazing crazy at times, but the cutest baby in the world, Ezra Benjamin Carpenter. And he is the light of my life. He turns me to mush. I have a whole video that shares the story and you see me doing injections and I talk more about it. But when Jordan and I were going through this, all I did was read different blogs and listen to podcasts and call friends who I knew had a friend or a family member or anything that went through infertility. And I just wanted to know that we weren't alone. I wanted to know that there's light at the end of the tunnel and I wanted to hear other stories and and relate to them and learn from them and say, oh, well, they tried this. And I know it necessar- might not necessarily work for me, but at least I know there's another way if the way that we're trying right now isn't working, if that makes sense to you guys. Infertility and starting a family in and of itself is something that's a very, very vulnerable topic. And Abby nor I are professionals. Abby is an RD, but neither of us are professionals in the in the fertility space. So please take everything that we say with a grain of salt. And if someone is struggling with fertility right now and starting a family, don't say like, I heard on a podcast that you have to do this and this work for this person. Uh, my number one piece of advice as well as Abby's is to trust your doctor. Find a doctor, first of all, that you can trust and one that you know is going to get you to where you want to be. I'm personally obsessed with our doctor. He's based here in Manhattan. Well, I'm in Hoboken, but close enough. And his name is Dr. Foreman. I chat all about him on my blog. I'll link to that in the show notes. He was amazing. You know, me, him and Jordan, we started a family together (laughs) and I'm bringing Ezra to go meet Dr. Foreman soon. And I'm just so, so excited for Ezra to see where the magic went down. That journey was definitely Not what we expected it to be. I don't think it really ever is. But it also really opened up our eyes and opened up my heart to women and families everywhere that are struggling with this. And I don't even want to say struggling because, you know, yeah, it's a struggle, but you go through it and you get through it. Abby and I talk about this in the episode a little bit, but I personally don't know anyone that really really truly wanted to start a family that that couldn't and it might not be the fam- like you might not start the family in the way that you thought you would but you will and i always hated when someone would say to me it'll happen it'll happen just give it faith it'll happen and in my head I'm like shut the f up you're so annoying but it happens i promise don't hate me, but it does. And you will soon have a beautiful, crazy baby, or maybe two, because when I found out I was pregnant, they thought it was twins. And you'll be there and you'll be so happy. And then this will all be not a blur, but it'll give you a whole different perspective on, on starting a family. So I hope you guys love this episode. I hope that it resonates with someone, at least one person somewhere. If you have any other questions about fertility or anything about this journey please don't hesitate to reach out to Abby or myself Abby also talks about the like she had a miscarriage before conceiving her beautiful baby boy that she's pregnant with right now. I probably should have said that earlier that Abby and Rob are expecting their first Bubba in January. So who knows, maybe he'll be Ezra's Ezra's little birthday twin since his birthday is January 26th. So if you love this episode, if you have a friend, a family member, a spouse, someone who you think could really benefit from listening to this, please send it to them. I hope that it really resonates again. I hope it re- resonates with anyone that listens to this. I I hope you can reference this numerous times as I know stories are sometimes hard to track. And if you have any other questions or anything about fertility or hormones or this or that, I can definitely, definitely try and bring on another guest who can, we can even dive even deeper. Anyways, I'm going to stop talking now. If you want more from me, I'm over on Instagram at Rachel Mansfield. Don't forget to follow Abby at Abby's Food Court to learn more about sustainability. And I think that she's going to like make a huge blast when her baby is here and she's going to talk about all the mom and dad things on how to live a low-waste lifestyle with a baby. Yeah, I could definitely use some tips about that too. Well, talk to you guys soon and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. I am sitting here with my dear, dear beautiful, pregnant friend, Abby Cannon. Hello. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you here in my bedroom, might I add. We are currently recording
1: in
0: a corner in my bedroom because Abby is getting a little preview of what's to come in your 26 weeks pregnant today as we're recording. So Abby is expecting her very first baby this January. And she's been here patiently waiting for Ezra to wake up from a nap so I can nurse him before recording and she's getting Don't a worry, she gave me lots of treats. <laughs> she's getting a glimpse into what it's like to be at home with your baby and all of the craziness that entails. But thank you for traveling all the way to Hoboken from Long Island.
1: Anytime. My
0: pleasure. I am um, very, very excited about this episode because... Infertility, as we both know, is almost like a taboo topic where, like, not many people talk about it. We're definitely one of the few, I would say, that like really have opened up in the mm-hmm. last couple of years about this. And I wanted to take some time to share your story, a little bit about my story, because I know that, like, when I was going through this, and I'm sure you can relate. It was so important and, like, inspiring for me to, like, hear other people's stories and, like, hear their happy endings because there's women and men and couples, like, going through this everywhere. So I'm excited for you to share a little bit more about that and your journey and everything that entails. I'm so
1: excited to be talking about this, too. We need to talk about it more.
0: I know. And I feel like most people who know you are going to think you're talking about your low-waste lifestyle when you're on the show. which that'll creep in. (laughs) We are going to have you back on the show to talk about that another time, I promise, because there's so much, so much, so much information that you can enlighten us all with and I can learn from. But today we're going to focus all on infertility and a little bit about miscarriage and how we uh, how to deal with everything. So to kick things off, I want you to share a little bit about your story, and then I'll probably like butt in and ask
1: questions <laughs> along the way. Absolutely. So I'm Abby. I am gonna keep this, you know, so much more personal than professional. But I am a dietitian. I have a private practice, and I met my husband when I was 20 years old. Fell in love. We got married when I was 24. So. I was I'm head over heels. He's the dreamiest guy. And I Tell never everyone where he's from. He's from Scotland. And he
0: has a sexy accent.
1: <laughs> he <has> a Great <laughs> accent. Uh, he's amazing. And I've always been a worrier my whole life. You know, I worried about getting into college when I was in middle school. Uh, I am also an attorney. I was a wreck all during law school worrying about the bar exam, working as an attorney. Then when I was back in school, am I going to pass the exam to be a dietitian? So always a worrier, never worried about fertility. You were never concerned about getting pregnant? Never in my life did it even cross my mind that this would ever even remotely be an issue. But now were you on birth control ever? I was on birth control. So I was on birth control from like probably 18 to 28. Oh, I was on it for 10
0: years too. Actually, yeah, same. So I was 16 to 26. Yeah. So, So, yes, I was on birth control. Um, Did you have, like, I'm saying period in quotes. Like, did you, like, have, like, the monthly, like, bleed? No.
1: So, I never – I rarely got my period on birth control. Okay. I remember skipping it for the first time, ran to my doctor, like, oh, my God, I missed my period. Mm -hmm. Ah." And (laughs) she was like, well, you're not pregnant, which I was like, okay, fine. And she said, totally normal. Don't worry about it. And – silly me looking back I mm-hmm. never talked about my period since or, or with my doctor from that point on so yeah every year they ask when was your last period and I would just lie I'd be like oh April 25th you know I mean, I'd be like uh I don't know Right? <laughs> I just I my, my and my mom was always like you have to tell them you have to know the date of your last period whenever you go to the doctor and I never knew because I never got it. And I would always just make it up because my doctor said it was totally fine and normal. Like, yeah. So I, I never thought about my period. I never spoke about my period. I never spoke about being on the pill. Um. So yeah, I had no, no inkling at all or thought that this might be an issue. Did you
0: take yourself off the pill or like – so you were 28. Did you just like wake up one day and say, I don't want to put hormones in my body? Or was it like were you trying to get pregnant at
1: that point? It was – I was – it was during my dietetic internship, and I, you know, had just started to hear buzz about the pill not being great. Uh, and every single month, I said to my husband, like, I'm just going to go off the pill. Uh, you know, at that point, we had been married four years together, eight. So, you know, if I got pregnant, it would have been fine. Yeah. It's like, you're comfortable. Right. Um, and. So I just decided to go off. Like at one point, I guess my I would get it in three months supplies. So I finally canceled the subscription and I went off and what didn't get a period. And I didn't get a period, and my iron levels were like super high too. So we were like, "Oh, this is weird." My doctor was That's like, "That's weird oh, because you, you don't eat." I don't know need. I don't eat meat, and yeah. it was just very strange. But you, your iron, you obviously lose a lot of iron during your period, so. I was more concerned about my iron levels because I was a dietitian, yeah. so or in my dietetic internship, like what could possibly be causing this <laughs> high iron, and trying to figure it out like that, and still I wasn't, I wasn't concerned. And then, like nonchalantly, I said to my mom, like, "Oh, you know, it's been six months and I haven't gotten my period." And she's like, what do you at? You know, my mom was like absolutely crazy. She's like, yeah. you told to the doctor yesterday. Well, in
0: that generation too, like our mom's like, they got their period every 28 days. Like
1: right. it's like clockwork. Right. And my mom was like, oh, when I went off, my mom was on the pill. She's like, when I went off, I got my period right away. My sister went off. She got her period right away. Uh, and really at that time, none of my friends were trying to get pregnant. Yeah. I feel like they were just like starting to get married. So it was – Around I don't know like August or September that I finally went to the doctor, and again, she was like totally normal, like it's still normal that you haven't gotten your period, and we did blood work, and i my estrogen was really low, so depending on where you are in your in your cycle, your mm-hmm. estrogen changes, but it was eleven, and uh it should like, never be eleven right <laughs> it was like. Post menopause, when I was whole, I had low estrogen. I was like,
0: "Oh, so am I growing a penis? Like, what's going on?" Yeah, it was
1: really, (laughs) uh, it was really crazy to see those numbers, and everything else was fine. So she was just like, "Oh, you know, hopefully it'll it'll come back naturally." And she wanted to put me on different medications, and I wanted to try to do things naturally. So that was the first time that I started with an acupuncturist and herbalist. Okay, and how old are you at this point? So I was 28. Okay. At so this point. Yeah. Uh, and I started to see this, this guy twice a week. And <laughs> it was incredibly expensive as all of these alternative medicine. Um,
0: Acupuncture adds up.
1: Yeah. It really adds up. And the herbs. And... Were you going weekly
0: too? I was like- going
1: every single week, sometimes twice a week for acupuncture, oh gosh, yeah. drinking all these herbs. And it was at the time that I was studying for my dietetic internship so or my uh, exam to become a dietitian. So yeah. I had the flexibility in my schedule to, to do it. I hadn't started my f- full-time job. And I was like, let's try it. And I did get a, natu- a natural period once with him. Mm-hmm. And then I started my job and I was commuting and I couldn't continue with him. And I was like, oh, I got my period once. I'm going to be... I'm cured. I'm totally fine. Even though, you know, everyone says you should continue with that treatment. Yeah. But that's amazing, though,
0: that it did work for you because I went to acupuncture for years, tried every holistic herb and remedy under the sun and never got a period.
1: Yeah. And I don't I think also when I look back at that time, I was starting my job. I was like feeling really good. I wasn't super stressed yeah uh and i think that that played a role and the longer you go without a period the harder it is for it to come back Mm -hmm. naturally and you know we never really know why it comes back we never know we never know but um but yeah so i got my period once i was like oh this is fantastic i you know Felt like, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret, getting my period for yeah, the first Yeah, I love time that again. book. I remember reading it <laughs> And that. Uh, and then it just didn't, it didn't come back. And I, I wasn't like super itching to have a baby at this point. You I, just started your like new job, right? Like, I just started been... my new job, my new career, and so I did. I just didn't do anything for another six months, I'd say. And then I saw, then I was like, I need to actually take this seriously. And started to see another acupuncturist who was more convenient, and nothing was working, and uh, I was losing patience (laughs) rapidly.
0: And were you trying? still only trying to get a period when you started seeing the other acupuncturists, or were like having a baby in the back of your head? Yeah, then it it was more like uh, you want a period. So down the road, you know, you'll be able. You'll be. I think it
1: was when I started with the second acupuncturist, I was like, I'm ready. We're both kind of itching for a baby yeah I I always thought that I would have a baby in 2018 that's always what I said 2018 yeah 2018 I thought of it by
0: like an age so that's funny
1: because I like even years so I just even numbers are better right I just (laughs) always thought it would be 2018 so as it started to get later in 2018 and you know you only have so many months to get pregnant if you want to have a baby and. 2018 I started to get super stressed like oh my god it's not gonna be 2018 and then I was like oh my god it's gonna be 2019 and that's an odd year and how are we gonna cope and then <laughs> and look where we are now it's I'm just on the cusp of 2020 so maybe I willed all this to happen to have an even year
0: you never know your baby could I come know. in 2019 if he wants to be like Ezra I
1: know I know after all this then Still gonna be an odd baby, but I still like odd babies, uh, babies. are <laughs> fun babies. It's okay. As <laughs> yeah. was just four weeks yeah, earlier, we like he's crazy, yeah. but you know he's here. Yeah. Um. So sorry. So can. So you went to, so the I second went to. acupuncturist? Yes, I went to a second acupuncturist, and it just wasn't working. And I think so much of it, I guess, to jump to one takeaway. My first takeaway is you have to really like where you're going, like who you're working with. And get in the zone with whatever it is that you're doing. Were and they a fertility
0: acupuncture? Like, was that the specialty? She was, and she was
1: fantastic. And I really liked her. But I would run from work to acupuncture in the city, run to make my train after. And I was like – Like, defeats the purpose right. of acupuncture. It was like I was sitting on that table with all these needles in me, like, looking mm-hmm. at my watch, like, not able to relax. And it it just – I didn't – it didn't feel right. And – if it's something doesn't feel right during the treatment, like it's just not going to work. Our minds are so powerful. Yeah. You have to really like settle into whatever treatment and you don't have to do the treatment for a year before you decide it's not working, but like say to yourself, okay, I'm going to do this for three months and then reassess, but like really do it. That's what I did. I saw really someone do for it.
0: four months and it was my second acupuncture. So I saw her for four months straight, did the herbs, did everything, went every single week. And when I still wasn't even getting, like, that much yeah. different, like, vaginal discharge, like, nothing, I said, this is too much money. Like, yeah. I like, I have
1: to, like, pull the plug on this at some point. And time and, and stress yeah, it's and, like, an investment. It's, it's a lot. And you don't know what's going to work. So at a certain point, you start to get antsy. Yeah.
0: I remember, like, looking, thinking, like, okay, I was 26 when we started trying to get pregnant, which is young. And yeah. it's younger than I thought that I was going to be when I got pregnant, but – I got married relatively young, too. I've been with Jordan since I was 19, engaged at 23, and married when I just turned 25. And when I said to him, like, I think I'm ready to start a family, and he was 100% on board. I was 26. And I remember thinking, okay, great. So it's I'll be 27 then by the time the baby comes. (laughs) And then, like, we started trying to get pregnant. And I was similar to you, where I didn't have a period. I was on and off birth control for 10 years. And my doctor, like, never really seemed – to like concern that I wasn't menstruating, like post birth control. He's like, it's okay. Like when you want to get pregnant, like we'll figure it out. So I was like a little stubborn at first. And I think this is where we, we have this in common where we really went like the holistic route before kind of giving in to more like of a Western medicine approach. But I actually, looking back, I forgot about this. I did take Clomid with my gynecologist before seeing a fertility doctor Interesting. like he just gave it to me over the phone which which, uh, is yeah. kind of moronic in my opinion right. like, great doctor but like right that's not the way to like take clomid and just like wanted to see like you know shoot for the stars see if it worked and it didn't do like i didn't grow follicles and for those of you who are like what the beep is clomid mm-hmm. clomid helps you grow follicles to then you know hopefully trigger ovulation
1: and continue on the process and you really only take it if you – if the goal is to have a baby.
0: Yeah. Not just
1: to get oh, a Oh, yeah. You don't
0: – oh, yeah. Good point. <laughs> um, And neither of us are doctors. Um, But you do – yeah, you don't take that to just like get a period. I took that because I said I want to have a baby. And then when that didn't work, I was like, okay, let me try – let me give myself like a year mm-hmm. to get my period back holistically. Like do the herbs, do acupuncture, go all in. And then if that doesn't work after a year, I'm going to go see a fertility specialist. That year crept up so fast. And like during the year of trying everything, I did like elimination diets. I was told I had candida and like yeast overgrowth. And like I also I started eating meat again and like did so many different things. And when that like at the end of the day, like really didn't change anything when it came to fertility. I'm like, this is the time when I actually need to see a fertility specialist because it's good to have. It's good to be a nice blend of like woo woo hippy dippy here, but also real. I realize like I'm. Next thing I know, I'm going to be like 35 and yeah. still not pregnant. God forbid, like at this point. And I wanted. I've always dreamt of being a younger mom because mm-hmm. I want a lot of babies. Yeah. So it's hard. So w- at what point did you say to yourself, "We need to go see a more
1: conventional doctor to like solve this"? I had given myself. The second acupuncturist said, Give me three months. Let's reassess in three months. And it was creeping up on the third month. And at this point, Rob and I were like, We really want to have a baby. And I was like, I just can't keep going to acupuncture. Like, I just, I felt like it just wasn't working. I wasn't in the zone. I wasn't committed. And that was the point that we went to see the first fertility doctor.
0: And when you went to the doctor, like, what was that? Like, what did they say? Did they, like, give you a diagnosis for, for infertility? Like, I was told I have unexplained yeah, infertility. that's what I had, to.
1: Or, yeah. So, unexplained infertility, the most anticlimactic diagnosis ever. Like, uh, oh, so you don't know what I have. Okay, right, great. So, <laughs> and, and look, there's so much we know in science, and there's so much we don't know. Mm-hmm. And... I, I remember my first doctor had said there are three reasons why I might not be getting my period. None of them related to birth control. Um, one was if I was over-exercising, like training for a marathon, which I wasn't at the time or ever. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I had an eating disorder, which I luckily did not. And then if I was super stressed. And at the time, I really wasn't, super stressed. Did you ever get your cortisol levels tested? I didn't get my cortisol levels tested actually. And I, I mean, again, I'm a high stress person in general, or I, I run stressed. Uh, but this was a time in my life where I didn't feel like I was as stressed as I had been. I mean, I went through law school. I went through the bar exam, like, yeah, talk to me about stress then (laughs) back to school to be an rd so like this wasn't i wasn't feeling like stress could have been the cause at the time so those were the reasons that my doctor had said i wasn't getting my period so then when we went through everything uh it was around like i want to say maybe may of 2018 uh could that be 2018 yeah uh, it was unexplained infertility. There was nothing. The, my estrogen levels were super low, but everything else was coming back. Totally. So what fine. was the first step? Like what did your doctor say to you first? So I tried letrozole, which is a drug like Clomid. Mm-hmm. I did two rounds of that and I didn't respond and no follicle growth, no follicle growth. And you, you I just remember being in the doctor and she's like, okay, you're going to start letrozole. And I didn't obvi- I didn't know what letrozole was. I didn't know the point of letrozole. And she was like, and I said, okay, so then what happens? And she said, well, if you respond, then you do timed intercourse and then like you get pregnant. Timed and I was
0: intercourse, like, <laughs> like literally makes me laugh. I'm like, so you want me to have sex with my husband? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. So I could conceivably be pregnant in like two weeks? Like, is that? And I know. Talk about a mind fuck. It was just, it was wild to me. Uh, it didn't end up happening. But it, it really, I just like couldn't even believe kind of how f- how fast it was supposed to go if it worked. Um, I guess that was just mind blowing to me. Yeah. Maybe I'd- see,
0: I started with Clomid when I first went to fer- went to the fertility doctor, but I actually went to I-, I went to a fertility doctor that was referred to by my OB in the city. Went and like almost interviewed him in a way. I, like went there, did like did you do genetic testing? I did the genetic testing to see if there was any like. Yes. Just like anything in my genetics, which we both like cleared. Obviously, I'm a carrier of a couple of things. Jordan's a carrier of nothing. Shocker. So everything was, <laughs> right. everything was on me. And I didn't like what the doctor like had to say. He seemed to be very cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, first we'll try this. Then we'll do this. And if this doesn't work, then we're going to do this. And I basically just said to him, you don't even know me. Like, how yeah. can you have like this of what we're going to do? And I left the doctor, and I said to Jordan, "We're never going back there." And it was also also all the way on the east side, and living in Hoboken—that's really just not ideal to like commute to in the city. And I went home and googled best fertility doctors in Manhattan, and that's how I found my doctor. I w- went I went to Doctor Forman, who I like love and miss dearly, and he's at, over at Columbia, and he had like a ninety seven percent rating, oh which is. Unheard of. Like when Same. I google like a dentist or a dermatologist, it's like 40% rating. Right. Like people, I feel like you don't go to a doctor and then leave a good review. You almost go to a doctor when you're and like leave a review like when you're pissed off. Mm-hmm. And he had such a good, like all of I read every single review was on like Fertility IQ, which was an awesome reference like for a website when I was looking for someone. And I called the doctor's office and he was booked for so long. And then I went in to see him. And his approach to everything was so different than the other doctor. Like he sat down with a piece of like printer paper mm-hmm, and just mm-hmm. sketched. Like I told him my story, like Jordan spoke and he like sketched something like an artist. Wow. We were going and it was almost like a family tree, like a maze, like we're first we're gonna do this. Okay, but then you told me this. So now let's do this. And I felt he was so much more like Invested yep, in my story, yeah, and like took what I was saying seriously. And I told him, like, you know, I do like to do things with like acupuncture in conjunction to this. And he was very open minded. But did you have a good vibe with your doctor? That you're absolutely. At? I had a great. So important. I had a
1: great vibe with her. Really liked uh the whole practice. It was located in Manhattan. I live in the city. I was still. I mean, I live in Long Island. I was still working in the city at the time. Oh, so that actually wasn't so bad for you. That it wasn't too bad. I mean, I would have to wake up at 6 o'clock. I'd have to get the 6 o'clock train in the morning to yeah, meet that to was the doctor uh, and then go into work. Uh, but I did really like the practice. Uh, and again, I still was super optimistic. I was like, oh, this isn't going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm maybe optimistic isn't even the right word. I was super naive about the whole thing. Uh, and I think it's really overwhelming to take on, especially when you are a healthcare practitioner. So, you know, people are coming to me for health advice and it's really hard to admit that something's going wrong with my health or going on with my health. And so I think that probably played a role in my inability to like accept what what was really happening. Well, I feel like it's a double whammy because you had that and then just really any woman who
0: wants to have a baby and your body isn't doing what like – I mean, feminism and everything aside, like women are on earth to produce yes. children. It's like what we're made to be doing. And when your body doesn't do that, I felt like v- – I just felt horrible about myself. which totally. like makes you stressed out and like makes you so bummed because you're like – I'm supposed to be here to like carry children and like start this beautiful family. And I looked in the mirror and I'm like, I literally feel like I'm growing a penis at this point. Yeah. Like what is going on? Like why was I so paranoid in high school and college? Right. Like popping plan B and like everyone just expect like prepares you that you're going to get pregnant so easily in school. And no one talks to you about like infertility like that. No one even I didn't even know that was an option. No. And I also feel like when our moms were growing up, it's such a different generation. And I was actually talking about this with my mother-in-law on Sunday where I asked her, I'm like, did you have a hard time getting pregnant or were you pregnant like easily? And my mother was very low stress, like nothing phases her. And my – even though I was told um, I was had like no unexplained infertility, mine was because of high cortisol. Like my cortisol was like disgustingly high. Um, and she's like, no, but I think that nowadays it's so different where there's so many more endocrine disruptors that are like messing with us on top of just like a high stress society. But also at that time, no one spoke about infertility. And like when my mom was telling her friends that I was going through this, that Jordan and I were going through this, (laughs) I feel like we always forget about the guy or the partner going through this. A lot of her friends opened up and she's like, I've known you for almost 30 years. Like, how'd you never tell me that you had to do something like this? as well which is like
1: wild yeah it's hard i mean we don't really know because people didn't talk about it as much yeah you never know uh if you know infertility really is on the rise i'm the studies are showing that it is i think it's so multifactorial. It has to do with the endocrine disruptors. We're also on different birth control pills than our parents were. My mom was never on birth control either. She like didn't want me to go on it,
0: but I was like a horny 16 year old and just like (laughs) thought I'd be thriving (laughs)
1: if I went on birth control. I mean, I loved not getting a period too. I was like, this is the most fantastic thing ever. Zero waste. I know. I was like like, so I was so uh, I was so low waste. That's how committed I am. Uh, But I think it's just so interesting how the perspective changed and then you like are desperate for a period. And then you're desperate not to have a period because you want to be pregnant. Because you want to be pregnant. Just- Wait, so you tried
0: Lechidol the two times. So I tried it twice and didn't respond. And then did you do Clomid?
1: Yes. Then we started Clomid. And I the first round of Clomid, I felt so great. I didn't have any of the symptoms. I actually felt more energized than I had in a really long time one of the side effects of having low estrogen is being really tired and fatigued okay. a lot. And uh, I definitely was. I mean, but also everybody, <laughs> everybody's really tired. Uh, so maybe I was just You really have uh, to wait for
0: a few more races. You don't know what tired yeah. is. <laughs> uh,
1: and so, yeah, so I did Clomid and uh, I responded, which not everyone does. So I was really happy about that. And we didn't get pregnant that round. So
0: when you said you did Clomid though, did you do that followed by IUI or is it just Clomid and then you just had sex we, at home? Yes. And so
1: it was timed intercourse. We didn't do IUI. Uh, nothing was wrong with my husband, which I think is really important to bring up. Yeah. Most fertility doctors automatically check the male, but it can be, a, you know, both parties could have trouble mm-hmm. um or problems in my case i was the problem did you it's okay.
0: wait <laughs> did, did you do the ovulation trigger shot before yes.
1: yeah so we did avidral the ovulation yeah. trigger and then uh timed intercourse for the first time and, and then waited for two weeks then waited for two weeks the dreaded two-week wait you know i didn't really dread the two weeks like for, um, i, I was dying really good at putting it out of my head uh, I just like completely compartmentalized it. So I don't know how I was able to do that, but I just like set my mind to it. And I didn't get pregnant and we were traveling to Scotland and I remember getting my period and just being like it was so upset. And I I just like wasn't feeling the medication. I just was like I don't want to do this for the rest of the summer. I don't even really remember why. I feel like I was stressed at work. And I was like, if I'm stressed at work, if I'm like crazy about commuting, if I'm not in a good place, like nothing's going to work. So I took the summer completely off and we didn't do anything. I was like, maybe doing COVID once will like get me to get my period naturally. Did you get a period over the summer? No, of course not, because that just <laughs> you, as much as you wish for it, uh, it doesn't automatically come. So then we were back at – actually, I think I went back to the initial herbalist and acupuncturist. You did. I remember yeah. this. And we had spoken. And you were like yeah. three months, Abby. You had given me – that's what I did all summer. That's what I did all <laughs> summer. Um, I didn't do nothing. I did – I was back with him. And I was just just at this point super antsy. So the three months went by. That was right when we were – Apple picking. Because I remember you were like, Abby, it's been three months. You have to... It's time to bite the bullet. Let's get the show on the road. Yeah. So then I was back at a new fertility doctor. And this is my second piece of advice, which you had mentioned. Go somewhere convenient. I mean, you want somewhere that's really good, of course, but don't underestimate convenience because sometimes you're at the doctor three, four times a week for blood tests and exams. And if you have to commute an hour and a half just for blood work or travel somewhere just for like a 10-minute exam. It It sucks. It sucks. And the process sucks enough that like try to deal with some of the factors that you can control. There's so much we can't control, but some things we can. And if you have the option of a great doctor that's 20 minutes away and a great doctor that's an hour and a half away, go with the 20 minute. Commute. I know
0: that's what Jordan and I keep saying because we don't know obviously what's going to happen for baby number two. And you know, before Ezra, like, we community like, It's in Columbia. I live in Hoboken. It was not easy, and I mm-hmm. work from home, so mm-hmm. I didn't like have to go into the city at six thirty in the morning. The the doctor's office is only ten blocks from Jordan's work, so for him it was totally fine. Right. But if I it wasn't so obsessed with my doctor, I wouldn't have went because you you live there. We would go there three to four days a week, and it's. Draining, and when it, now that we have Ez, I'm like, who's
1: gonna watch him at six o'clock in the morning right. when we have to like go do all this right. shit? And it, it, I think it matters so much in the on the front end. So like, don't go interview a doctor that you're gonna fall in love with. That's an hour and a half away. To oh my start. god! Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, try to find someone close first. And if you don't yeah. love the person, then go far. Or if you already have an existing relationship and you really trust them and and it's worth it, then. Stick with that, but if you're at the beginning of the process and you have two choices, really think about convenience and and like how you can get there easily and is there a lot of traffic, like things like that because, again, there's so much that is totally out of your control to like grasp onto the things that you do, you can't control.
0: Yeah, I think for us, like there's not really – like anyone at least that I know of or been referred to that's in the Hoboken area. And to me, driving like causes me more stress than yeah. anything else. So we, we would just take the bus and deport authority and it was like a 10-minute walk. So it's not like the end of the world, but now with like a baby, like it's definitely more of a pain in the ass. But I also like am madly in love with my fertility doctor. But I think
1: you and feel that, this like connection because they get you pregnant. Totally. Hopefully. And um, if you again, if you really like someone, you have a relationship, then it's worth yeah, you it. Go. But in the beginning try to try to look try into to that to get that relationship with someone nearby because it's was your second doctor in Long Island In Long Island in a practice where I actually also had a family friend who practiced there so oh, that that's was awesome. nice. She was kind of like looking out for us. And you know, I met with her again, it was unexplained infertility, and she was quite hopeful because she was like this is fantastic that clomid worked for you. So Oh, wait a minute. I totally <laughs> I totally skipped that I had a miscarriage in between all this. No, I went back to my first doctor when we spoke in um in after apple picking. Plot twist. Yeah. And that (laughs) was when um we were talking about this before. It's hard to remember the timeline. No, it is. Cause you also want to like black it out because
0: it's not the easiest time, but wait till you have mom brain and then you actually like don't remember anything.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we'll blame it on pregnancy brain. Yeah, that's real. Yeah. So I was I was back at my initial fertility doctor. We were doing Clomid um timed intercourse. We did two rounds and the second round I got pregnant. And it was the day before Thanksgiving that we took the test and you know, neither of us Thought that it was going to work, and it was just like, pure joy, uh, for you know that whole weekend. And you know you have to get quite a few blood tests. I don't know what it's like if you aren't at a fertility doctor when you get pregnant. So I don't think you have as many blood tests. I think they basically no, do see you. In, you in usually don't
0: go. Yeah, something you don't
1: go to the doctor until eight weeks, right? So there were like different milestones. Uh, that I was meeting, uh, you know, certain blood tests. They were testing my beta HCG, which was looking great. And Rob and I just had the most magical Thanksgiving. We were keeping the secret, you know, just between the two of us. I really wanted to wait until three months (laughs) to try to tell people. Uh, Now we know. (laughs) I have like even chills. Um, And we were, we were really, really happy. And then She's we, like, went, we did it. Yeah, it happened. It. Yeah. There's
0: light at the end of the tunnel. Here yes. we are.
1: And it, I, I mean, it was a year and a half of different sorts of treatments, but it was only three rounds of Clomid. So I was feeling like super lucky and Was lucky it IUI and or you said no. just timed intercourse? We still hadn't done IUI at this point. That
0: really is amazing that that yeah. worked.
1: And well, <laughs> yeah, but and still then, it gave you hope. Yes, you it know? gave us hope, and we went in for the six-week scan, which was the first scan all the other things were blood tests and there was nothing there so there was no sac which is what you mm-hmm. should have seen at that point point. and we were still trying to be positive because my doctor was like oh maybe we got like the timing wrong maybe you're not really six weeks but like I think she was just trying to be nice. uh and she tested my blood and it was clear that I was going to have a miscarriage and I remember she called me my mom had picked me up from the train and I didn't want to tell my mom yet until like it was definite and you don't I don't break down on the train. Right. And I didn't even tell Rob that my doctor had called to say, like, I was definitely going to have a miscarriage. And I just completely broke down in the car with my mom and was hysterical. And my mom was hysterical. And I was How like, How many Ugh.
0: weeks were you at this point? Six weeks. Six.
1: So it, it was just, I was, <laughs> I wasn't really, I mean, a lot of people have very mixed emotions when they have, uh, or very different emotions when they had a miscarriage. And I really wasn't sad because I lost a baby. That wasn't the emotion that I felt. Uh, what were you sad about? I would just I was like, I can't believe I have to go back and do this all again. Like, I have to go back on Clomid. We have to, like, go back to the doctor. I have to keep doing these blood tests. And after, That's when
0: you were like, let's find a different doctor.
1: That was when, well, yes. Yes, that was when. And it was, you know, when you have a miscarriage. And f- first, you don't know – she didn't know if maybe I had an ectopic pregnancy. So you have to wait. It's not just like, oh, you have a miscarriage. Like, let's just talk about the next steps. Like, there was quite – I think it was like a month and a half that we were still making sure, like, was it an ectopic pregnancy? What was the cause of the miscarriage? Do I need a DNC? So they wanted to give me a DNC, which is when they, like, clear everything out. Yeah. I get, like,
0: chills thank you.
1: And Fortunate and I was really adamant about the fact that I didn't want it. Uh and luckily I started to bleed on my own and it was just passing. But I really sucked my guns about not having a DNC. And I we we had it scheduled. We were there in the morning and I was like, let's just run one more blood test. And if my levels still hadn't dropped and you weren't happy, I'll do the procedure. But I just felt like I was bleeding so much. Like I was like, my levels have to have dropped by now. Uh oh, and yeah. finally they did that morning. So I remember, you know, Rob had taken the day off work because we thought I was going to get the procedure and we ended up just like sleeping. I think it was a Friday. Like we just basically slept all weekend. Uh, and it's really painful uh, having a miscarriage, which I wasn't expecting either.
0: Cramping? It's like such
1: horrible cramping. It's similar to what you experience after you have a baby. Um and you have no idea what's going on because, like, you didn't read a book, right? And you know, no one's going to you for that? that, right?
0: Did you have any friends or anyone that you know that had been through miscarriage before to call?
1: So I, my sister, actually had 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 two miscarriages, so she oh. was really supportive, uh, and that was helpful too. That was between her her two kids, uh, so that was really nice. And then I remember the. The best thing anybody told me when I was having a miscarriage, um, a really close family friend happened to be at my house. I came downstairs. I didn't think she, anybody was home. And she was like, "Abby, what is wrong with you? You look like hell. And I just totally broke down. Um, and I wasn't offended by what she said. like She was really concerned because I looked so terrible. And the first thing she said to me was, Abby, that wasn't your baby. Like when you have your baby, you're going to be like, this is my baby. Like she said, it's hard for you to see right now, but it wasn't your baby. And just like, it's going to be okay. And it was really a reassuring thing for someone to say, because I was like, you're right. It just, it wasn't my baby.
0: Well, it's also like we always say, we don't know anyone that's gone through this journey that hasn't had a happy ending. Like, obviously, everyone's journey is totally different how they get to that ending, but there's always a happy
1: ending. Always a happy ending, one way or another. Like, there, and there are loads mm-hmm. of ways to have a family. Yeah. So... That was that was the most helpful comment, and I really embraced that throughout the whole process. But it it really is a long process to have a miscarriage. It's not like you're just like it's not just like a regular period where it's five days and then you're you're up and at them. So <laughs> then I wanted to see another alternative medicine doctor, and you know I went on some other protocol to try to do it naturally, and then everyone was just like, what are you doing? Come on. And that's when I found a more convenient Western medical, Western medicine fertility doctor near me.
0: Let's take a quick break from today's episode to talk a little bit about something that you're probably not expecting me to talk about, armpits. And more importantly, what we are putting on our armpits. Now, when I was growing up, I used to dread putting deodorant on. I would break out in a rash all in my underarms. I could never figure out why. I was like, you know, I'm here I am trying to be clean. I don't want to smell like BO. I'm putting deodorant on before, when, every morning when I wake up. I wash it off when I go to sleep. And then it was just a vicious cycle of having these this rash and these hives all in my underarms. Then when I was a little bit older, about three, three almost four years ago, I started paying attention to really the ingredients in both my food, but also in my skincare. And that is when I learned all about non-toxic deodorant and the importance of that. The first brand that I actually tried was Primally Pure, I kid you not, and since then I have been exclusively using their deodorant. Now, I didn't even know that they were like the king and queen of non-toxic deodorants because they are aluminum-free, fragrance-free, they're made with organic ingredients, and they're also independently owned, and their deodorant works. Seriously, though, I even have Jordan and my brother using it. They use the lemongrass one, and I finally wasn't having hives all over my underarms. And there are a lot of non-toxic deodorants in the market on the market now. There's a lot of options to choose from, but... Primely Pure is one of the only ones that is actually organic, doesn't use fragrances. Instead, they use essential oils to give the deodorants that like good smells or underarms actually smell like a little something something and not just like bleh all day. So they don't use any fake chemicals. And I didn't even realize that the term fragrance on like the back of a skincare product is such a loaded term. You actually have no idea what the fragrance is. Even natural ones, you really have... If the FDA, there's like no regulations on being able to use fragrance, which is kind of creepy in my opinion. But Primely Pure's deodorant is amazing. It works, especially postpartum. You know, my hormones are a little bit all over the place. I love using the blue tansy one. It is a little bit actually blue colored, but none of their deodorants even stain your clothes, which is amazing because I used to have deodorant stains all over my clothes, all the time. And that was also another reason why I also dreaded putting deodorant on every day. Primally Pure also sells a variety of other non-toxic skincare, which I chat a lot about on my stories and on my blog. And Jordan even uses like their beard oil. Ezra uses their uh, baby goat soap. Oh, and actually Jordan started using their goat soap too. All of their stuff is absolutely amazing. It's sold exclusively on their website and you can use the code For 10% off your order. And if you guys do enjoy their deodorant or any of their skincare products, please let me know. And if you have any questions about Primally Pure, please don't hesitate to reach out to either me or Primally Pure. Their brand, the people that work there, are some of the sweetest humans in the entire world and they are always happy to help. They're always answering all of my questions. And they're always continuing to innovate and create these awesome new products. So stay tuned for some more goodness coming from them so soon. All right. Now back to the episode. So when you started seeing that doctor, what, what was that process like? Did you immediately go on Clomid Yes. Again?
1: So we did all the blood work again just to make sure that, you know, my estrogen was still low. And it was. Uh, and… I We went right back on Clomid, and she was like, you know what? You might as well try for IUI. It doesn't statistically significant – it's not a statistically significant uh, increase in your chances. No, but but if you're already
0: doing this, then, like, just that – my doctor was like, there's no
1: harm. It's not going to hurt you, and it literally doesn't hurt. So, like, why not just do it? Right. So, and – I had a I had a I didn't have a negative response the first time I took Clomid but every other time it's like quite dark of an experience. I didn't have any oh. symptoms on Clomid at all. It would be like day 3 and I would just notice everyone not wanting to be around me. Really? Yeah, I w- it was just really Oh my gosh, no.
0: i my doctor wanted to kill me because I took I would time Clomid. I had a lot of travel going on mm-hmm. when I was going through this, which is not ideal. And I remember taking Clomid when I was like at Expo West in Anaheim. I took it on vacation with Jordan and Big Sur. Like I was always taking it when I was out and I felt fine. The only thing that affected me, which we can get to, are like the progesterone suppositories I would take. Did you take those? No. Oh, I, I'll get to
1: those in a little bit. But those two, you, that's crazy you didn't feel well. Yeah, I felt Clomid. horrible on Clomid. Um, bloated, moody, depressed. Yeah. Bloat uh, just comes with right. it. But I I'm think like, uh. I – and who knows? It could have been a psychological No, I mean thing. medicine like, affects everyone right. differently. So – uh, and I just, you know, I wasn't happy to be on Clomid. There's so many mixed emotions, but I'm like I just have to do, do this. It. Uh, <laughs> like actually commit to doing it. Um. And so we did Clomid and IUI and it didn't work the first time. This new doctor had suggested that I gain weight. And a lot of practitioners had said that to me. I was never underweight. I was always a healthy weight. But she was like, maybe your body wants to be healthier and it thinks you're restricting, even though like technically I wasn't. And I embraced that. And I mean, maybe I gained like five pounds. It wasn't huge. But... It felt good, again, to do something that was in my control. And it's wonderful that, you know, Victoria Beckham got pregnant and she was super skinny, but we don't know yeah. what it was. And in general, we want to, like, have a little bit more meat on our bones if you're having issues. Well, I was gonna if say you're
0: going to have a baby anyway, so, like, you're going to put weight on. Right.
1: So I think kind of embracing that helped me. And I really started to think, like, what does a fertile body look like? and I really embraced that concept with like a lot of love and I think that helped too because it wasn't like, oh, I'm gaining weight. I feel so gross. It was like, I'm gaining weight for a purpose and hopefully this will help. It can't hurt. You know, I wasn't going to gain 50 pounds. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, it's still super hard when you get that negative (laughs) pregnancy test. It's just like, ugh, to do it again. But uh, then we did Clomid. So that was the second time. With this new doctor and IUI, and I was in the worst mood the morning of the IUI. I almost called it off. I was like, Rob, this is like, we're not, I'm not in the zone. Yeah. And it ended up working. So
0: I never actually didn't know that you wanted to, like, you were like pissed off that morning, the time that it worked, because we have that in common where I got pregnant with Ezra on my birthday, and like that was when our IUI was. And I was so pissed at Jordan that I remember saying in my head, this is a sign. There's no point in me going because, like, we're not going to get pregnant if, like, I hate you right now. Like, there's no point in (laughs) us going. I could barely look at Rob I was, so I don't even know why. the thing is, like, Jordan, like, did fuck up. So it wasn't just me being hormonal. Like, he actually
1: messed up. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I remember just being
0: like, I'm not even going. Like, And I would go and sit there, like, with him in the waiting room when they would have to, like, go into the, like, little, like, hall and do their thing. And I was so pissed that I like went for a walk in Central Park and like left him at the doctor. Like that you go to, I was you like you go to the doctor. I'm going to the park. Like maybe I'll see you later. I was like I couldn't run away that far. I had to be back at the doctor in two hours right. to get it like inseminated right. or whatever in me. Um, but so you did Clomid, the Avagrol,
1: yes, Avagrol, then
0: I IUI. Now for when I what worked for us was that I did Clomid two times. Then IUI, both of those times with Abadril 2, didn't get pregnant. Then tried Letrozole, didn't respond to Letrozole Mm -hmm. at all. Then went back onto Clomid and then my doctor – and didn't get pregnant. And then my doctor – I remember calling my doctor having a mental breakdown. And he, he spent over an hour on the phone with me, which is unheard of in like Doctorville. Spent over an hour on the phone. I remember was in my kitchen, just crying. Just like, I don't know what to do at this point. Cause, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. I had only been with him for two and a half months, which is nothing, nothing. in the scheme of things. It yeah. feels like two thousand years, but I'd been trying for a year and a half at that point. So I was just mentally losing it, and he was like, "Listen, Rachel, we have two options. You can try Clomid one more time with IUI, or we can try injectables." with IUI, with a double IUI, he said. So I went in for an IUI two days just to like help increase the chances. Mm-hmm. And i had never heard of injectables. I didn't know anyone that had gotten pregnant with them. I didn't understand the concept. And he was like, I recommend that more than Clomid again, because clearly we've tried this a few times. And like while you're growing follicles and the follicles look great, they're not following through. So injectables, also known as metapure, can you know grow more co- like quality follicles. Okay. So he said go check with Jordan's health insurance, see if they cover injectables mm-hmm. cuz they're not cheap, like yeah. they're thousands of dollars for these injections and let me know. Jordan was getting a new job during all of this, so his health insurance was no longer the same, but <laughs> I'm not going to bore you with that that story, but my his insurance did luckily cover injectables, so we tried that and you put the injections between like your stomach and your uterus, like kind of where you put Advil. And Jordan would do it every night for me. You had, just had to pick the same time every night. How many days? Oh, I don't remember. I want to say like five-ish okay. or so. And But then you go similar to Clomid where you go into the doctor. They like do the ultra, the vaginal ultrasound, see if you're going follicles. Um, And I wasn't responding to menopause. You're like, oh my God, injections. Like how this is not going to work. So he doubled the injections for me. Wow. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of trauma along the way where like CVS gave me the wrong size needle. So like I was putting double the needle length into my stomach oh my to get, get the injection. And like to put an extra like needle was so painful, but I'm like we're gonna do it, it's right. fine. And I'm not afraid of needles. They don't phase me, especially when you're going through this. Like you can't you be afraid of needles and get over it. And so we doubled it and then I eventually grew follicles. We went in. Did I did Ava drill, which was a few days before my birthday. Were you were at Sun Sundays for my birthday? Yes. So I that was the night of Avad during Manipur. Oh my! So gosh. I threw myself a birthday party at Sundays the nail salon. Really Thanks, yeah. <laughs> the nail salon. And when it was down in Brookfield Place, it's not there anymore. And now it's only like in Flatiron and like Hudson Yards or something. And because I just felt like I needed to like cheer myself Mm -hmm, up. And mm -hmm. I didn't like go out for like an elaborate dinner. I'm like, I want to like fun. And I forgot like that that would be the night of Ovidril. No, I didn't forget. You just don't know because you never know when the follicles are going to look juicy enough to do the Ovidril anyways. So Jord had to bring... Me pick me up at Brookfield Place in the little grocery store in like the district or whatever that place is called. I pulled my pants down. Oh my God. Did you ever know this story? No. Oh my gosh. Pulled my pants down in the grocery store and he did the shot there because it was, there was no public bathroom yeah, open at the time. The whole Brookfield Place was closing after the party. We thought we were going to do it in sack. Zach was literally right. like, you need to leave. I'm like, this will take five minutes. Right? Wouldn't let me oh do gosh. it. So I did the ovulation yeah. shot in the store and then we left and then like two days later or whatever day, we went in and did the – no, the next day we did the double IUI and that Same was on day? my birthday. No, sorry. It was like June 1st and then June 2nd. Um, And then two weeks later, that was – like we found out that I was pregnant. But during the two weeks – so it took us three rounds of something to like eventually get pregnant. But I had to do these progesterone suppositories.
1: Interesting. Which
0: look like white jelly beans. And you insert them like vaginally and then they leak like out of you. So progesterone is absorbed very quickly with your body. So whatever it doesn't need just like drips mm-hmm. right out. And I didn't know that. So when I first was going through this, I oh was wearing God. black Lululemon like pants, like to go to a workout <laughs> class. I'm in the workout class and it's like just starting. And I would go like to the doctor and then right. go to the workout right. class. And I looked down and I'm like leaking white everywhere oh my on my God. leggings. It was disgusting. Oh and I remember looking to my friend being like, Okay, well, guess I'll be doing that during the workout class. (laughs) But I still like went and stayed there. But anyways, so so I was wearing like pads and stuff for months because I was there was never a time that I really wasn't on the progesterone, and that gave me a lot of side effects where I would like feel pregnant, like I my head would hurt, my boobs Mm -hmm. would hurt, kind of mimics pregnancy. They so you did that each
1: time, each
0: time. And the time that I did get pregnant, I didn't even know – like, I didn't think that I was going to be pregnant because I didn't feel anything. And I would refuse to go home. Like, I would go for the blood work. It was on a Friday. I remember I went in for the blood work to, like, test my Mm -hmm. HCG. And I said to Jordan, I'm not going back to Hoboken. I'm spending the day in the city. Like, I need to distract myself. And I walked around. I went to a workout. I, like, went and sat on a bench in Washington Square Park because that's how much I didn't want to go home. And I was talking to my friend Erica, who I talk all about like in my fertility video and blog post, but basically we met on the bus going into the city and she happened to be going to the same fertility um, center I was going to. We basically fell in love and coincidentally got pregnant the same time and had – our due dates were exactly the same, like February oh 22nd. Gosh. And she lives three blocks from me in Hoboken, which is amazing. So we're raising our babies together. Mm-hmm. Um, so her and I were talking the whole day because we would go in for our blood work together. Then we would just wait. And she went home to watch Friends and like chill. And I'm like, yeah, good luck. I'm not going home. And I was sitting on the bench and my doctor called me. And I when I saw like – because he would – he my doctor always said he would email me the results – And I said to him, Foreman, on this day, I said, if it's good news, can you pick up the phone and call me? Right. If I have to look at your name in my email and see that I'm not pregnant or if I am pregnant, I'm going to die. Yeah. Like, you need to call me. So I saw this, like, 212 number calling me, the New York area code, and I picked up the phone and he was like, congratulations, you're pregnant. And I like lost it. Oh my- it was- so you didn't take a test? No. Like everything was blood work. Because they would say that like at that time, it wouldn't always come up. Right. And they wanted to know the HCG level like immediately. Okay. And then he goes, your HCG is so high. You might be having twins.
1: Oh, my God. And
0: I was like, no, thank you.
1: Oh, my God. I don't
0: think I can handle that. But thank you. Um, And I was just freaking out and then he like tells you the next steps like blah 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 and then I went up and surprised Jordan like in Bryant Park where he he was and I like I couldn't even keep it like in my pants because the thing is when you're going through this as you know like people know can know like your mom like my mom knew like I was waiting for news my mother-in-law knew like my close close friends knew I was like waiting for news so it's hard to keep it in your pants and Mm -hmm. not tell people but we also Jordan and I and this is the next thing I want to talk to you about is that we didn't tell many people when we were going through this. Mm-hmm. We only told like family and close friends after we were like moving and grooving because it got to the point where why are you going to the doctor so much? Right. Why aren't you doing this? Like why, like my friends would be like, can you get dinner? And I'm like, up oh, tonight's my drill or tonight's my Metapur. So right. I'm like, no, I have to be home at eight o'clock. Right. And it was hard. But then at the same time, I was very open on Instagram about not having a period, like I spoke about like Mm -hmm. amenorrhea, which is basically like what technically is what we have, just like a lack of period and spoke about that, never really spoke about infertility. And I felt that like, I didn't want to open up about infertility until the problem, the issue was like Mm -hmm. solved, like until I either had an answer explaining infertility or until I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And you had a completely different approach to that, where you opened up on your platform, like during the journey, you spoke about miscarriage, like you really put yourself out there, um, which I wanna hear more about, like you sharing that. But for me, like Jordan was very uncomfortable mm. with me talking about that, like, didn't want me to tell people, like, our business, because they're a huge part of this too, where he would be like, you know, this is like my thing too. It's your body, but it's like, it's happening to me. Mm-hmm. But then I also felt that like a social responsibility where like people would want – I didn't want to be like responsible for helping people if I didn't know how to help myself. Right. But you had a completely different approach to this.
1: Yeah. I mean, I i think the whole time I was really uncomfortable with being a health professional, posting on Instagram, going through all this silently. Yeah, and not talking about it. So it it definitely was really uncomfortable for me, but I didn't know what to say yet. And in my head, you know, as soon as you get pregnant, or this was my experience, we got pregnant in November and, you know, you counted the three months and I was like, okay, this is the day I'm going to tell my family. So in my head, it was, I think it was January 23rd. Um, wait, isn't that? That's weird because that's the day you thought was as your birthday, January 27th. Right, okay, so maybe now. that was why I Thinking that I, I think it was January. And Whenever now your day. due date is like around then. Yeah, the fourteenth, January fourteenth. So he I was like, could definitely the day. come in two thousand nineteen. By the way, I know. Like it's he cool. definitely could be here. Or just, okay. <laughs> <2020 is laughs> okay. Cool. <here>. Okay. <laughs> uh, and as long as he's healthy, we're fine. um But I had you know in my head planned like how I would tell my parents, and when that date was coming around, I was like, you know what, I really. I really want to share about my miscarriage because I don't think people talk about it enough. I don't think dietitians or healthcare professionals talk about it enough. And also just don't talk about their issue. Like it's an issue. Like it's a problem. I, I really had something to say at this point. I had a point in writing about my miscarriage story, and it wasn't to say I had a miscarriage. It was to say this is how I'm dealing with having a miscarriage and what I find helpful. And as a healthcare professional, I think that we need to put more trust and faith in the team that we choose. I think it's fantastic that people are telling their stories and saying what worked for them. But you liked reading people's happy stories. Yeah. I did not. I didn't want to hear. Really? Like, I would hear. I would love to hear your story as my no, no, friend no, no, I Rachel. Would read strangers, right? I had no interest in reading anybody's happy story. Not not because I wasn't happy for them or I couldn't find happiness for them but seeing the list of what other people did mm-hmm. just completely triggered me and stressed me out because it was like I'm wow. not doing all these things I can't do all these things or I tried that and it didn't work for me why didn't work for me that. I feel so bad and I I really didn't it just didn't work for me and so I never searched like what other people did or you know i even when people were like telling me i probably glazed over like how many times have you probably told me what you did and i just in the thick of it i just don't pay attention um because but you're also like your brain's like you're half right it was it was just it was too much for me to hear what other people were doing it wasn't helpful for me what was helpful was finding a team that i liked that i trusted doctors that i really liked Mm -hmm. and committing to that treatment. Going through with it and then making an assessment.
0: But did sharing? I feel like sharing your journey felt very therapeutic to you too, like one, that. Absolutely. Like I liked reading other people's journeys as therapy, and you liked sharing yours as it was going right. on. Right. It
1: was, and I was at a point where I really had something to share and something to say. Like this is my advice at this point in my in my process as someone going through it, and as a dietitian who works with clients one on one. The most amazing response that I got was from a lot of dietitians and other healthcare practitioners who were too embarrassed to share their story wow. because they're like, how can I counsel people who are going through this or who are going through anything if I don't have my life completely sorted out and nobody has their life completely well, sorted out? Like, that's actually
0: almost how I felt talking about it on like, Instagram or my blog. It's like people – look at like something and they think everything's perfect and i'm the first to admit on that platform like when i like fuck up and when like something's not perfect but when it was like this I'm like this is too much where people are going to ask me for every right. detail of every process that i'm doing and I'm, i felt like how am i supposed to help other people if i can't help myself right like how am i supposed to do, like tell someone like this is what i'm doing if i don't even know if that's going to work
1: right for me and you have to feel comfortable with whatever it is you're sharing. So at this point, I was really comfortable sharing, but I also I don't story all the time. I'm not like I post on Instagram, um, but my job, my profession is being a dietitian and you seeing clients one on one. So it it just felt like I had something to say and it felt amazing to write it. I mean when I wrote it all down, like Rob and I were both like sobbing. Mm-hmm. Um when we read it and when i wrote it and it, it felt really good to share and open up a conversation and then it it led to so many amazing conversations and i think it a it's fantastic to open up like i got i'm sure you got a zillion messages from it's people It's still the
0: most highly viewed day on my blog ever yeah. is like the day i wrote the infertility story. And
1: you know it can sometimes feel easier to open up to someone you don't know through Instagram and i think that that it can be such a wonderful platform to connect to people but talk to your friends too I mean my friends were just instrumental in getting me through everything and in saying like you need to share this story because I think this would be helpful so reach out to people through Instagram absolutely but also don't be afraid to talk to your real friends in person and say like I'm going through something that's really hard
0: I had like half a dozen of my friends that I would like, have on rotation after each doctor's mm-hmm. appointment. So, like, I would leave the doctor, immediately call someone that, like, I knew I could trust or would, like, make me laugh or some friends that, like, did go through similar situations and just talking it out for me is, like, everything. Like, I can – I don't go through an issue and keep it to myself. To myself, I at least tell, like, a handful of people. Yep. Now, Jordan goes through an issue and, like, doesn't want to tell anybody. Like, um, he tells me, but, like, I have to really work it out of him. Yeah. So being able to, like, chat, though, is, like, it's it's amazing. But I would find other people's stories online and read them, and it would just give me hope. Like, oh, wow, they did this. Like, they struggled for three years. And, like, look at their beautiful baby boy. Like, that right. gave me, like, hope. But it also gave me a little bit of knowledge where when I went to the doctor, I wasn't so like naive and clueless. Yeah. And it made me almost like – like the first doctor I went to, it made me realize like, oh, wow, well, he's not even like talking about anything that like I've read before like or that I learned. And just like knowledge is power, especially in this because – Absolutely. If you don't trust your doctor and like in what they're doing, like you have
1: to like be able to like not just say yes and be like, well, what if we yeah. tried this instead I or think- – 100% knowledge is power, but we also need to realize that you're going to a doctor for a reason. And this was the point of my miscarriage post. I started to go to doctors and practitioners skeptical of every single thing that they were saying. And it was like- <laughs> Don't they say like, well, I know technically you're not a doctor, but you are a healthcare professional, but like they're the worst patients. Right. Like, and it, it was just like, it, of course nothing's gonna work for me right now when like mm-hmm. I don't trust who's giving me care. And I think right now, because there are so many opportunities for people to get all this information about what might have worked for a certain person, it's a incredibly overwhelming. Especially if you don't have access to the things, or it, you know, even for me, like our insurance <laughs> didn't cover IUIs. Our insurance didn't cover a lot of the things. It's that adds. It, up. It, it's really expensive. That adds another level of stress. Um, and then on top of it, like. Oh my God, this person, it took them three years, but they also did acupuncture every day. And, and like, to me, it was just too much. But if you don't trust who you're going to, and you should absolutely feel comfortable asking questions, but you also have to, at a certain point, like take a step back and be a patient and accept mm-hmm. being a patient and accept treatment. And if, if you say like, if you're three month mark, like I'm going to try this for three months. And then reassess. But if we're always going to our practitioners, I call it practitioner hopping, if, which is totally what I did. I mean, you can tell in my story, I went from doctor to acupuncture to herbalist to... Yeah, to, you're to, like you know. bar hopping. But if you're doing that, I don't think you're really embracing being a patient. I think it was more me being impatient, not liking what I was hearing like from my doctor. have the magical fix that right. works in like a second. And... There's, there's no quick fix and you, you have to really like the team that you've decided to trust. And of course, ask questions and do the research that you feel comfortable with. But also if you don't trust your doctor and you're going like, why didn't you tell me that, you know, Susie's doctor said to do this, but you're not doing it. If you don't trust your doctor, then you need to find a new doctor. No, a
0: million percent. So
1: I think that was really my – That was. I mean, I my problem was practitioner hopping, so I just wanted to, like, relay Yeah, you my, needed to, like <laughs> – I mean, Like, trust who you're going to and, like, the person and have it be convenient.
0: I, like, geek out over this stuff where, like, if I was going back to school, like, I would want to be, like, a fertility specialist or, like, OBGYN. Like, I just, like, am genuinely curious about this entire process and everything – um, did you go to like switch things up a little bit? Did you continue to go to acupuncture when you were doing like, um, Clomid I and I way? Cause like, I, it's not, nece- it's really not necessary. Like you can do a, like I did a blend where I would still see, I was seeing Dr. Lipman then at this point, And I would go to him for acupuncture probably like every other week at that point. And I think that's almost like extra fluff. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hurt to go, but like, it was just it's not necessary, but it almost just like gave me a sense of ease. But what I respected a lot about him is that, you know, he's a functional medicine doctor. Mm-hmm. Like he's not going to prescribe you like drugs as his first thing. But he said to me after I was going to him for a couple months, Rachel, it's time to go see a fertility specialist. Mm-hmm. Like you need to actually take like hormones right. at this point. It needs to be like me in conjunction with someone else. And he was so open to like whatever Dr. Foreman wanted to say. Dr. Lim was like, okay, great. Let's do it. Like just listen to whatever that right. whatever your doctor has to say which i appreciated so much cuz i feel like there could be a lot of like conflict in between the two now you also switch things up for your diet for a little bit which are you open to talking Absolutely. about that
1: okay so i don't eat meat i Never Remember when
0: liked- I tried to get you to like eat
1: a full size like <laughs> yeah. lamb. Like, nice try. <laughs> uh, I Honestly, I'd never liked meat. Like if my best friend Lauren in college would have to cut chicken off a bone for me because I just like was totally grossed out by meat always. So giving up meat, like I didn't even really think about it. I just kind of gave it up. I was like, duh, I'm not eating it. Anymore. And I, you know, live a very low waste lifestyle. I do a lot of research on sustainability and that drives a lot of my – choices and uh so not eating meat really sits well with me physically and emotionally. And you know, every single every Eastern medicine practitioner you go to is gonna tell you to eat meat. Or everyone that I went to, like that was the first thing that they Oh yeah. Told bone me broth to and meat are like the first thing yep. that they and would even um day. even you know a Western medicine doctor they all were like, oh well maybe you should try eating meat. In my heart, I just didn't think that that was the issue. But at a certain point, I was like, "Fine." Like if, if a lot of people are telling me this, I will. I did this protocol with a functional medicine doctor that I had found on Long Island, and I was eating meat, and I just it just didn't feel right. Like no, you I hated. It. I hated. I hated mealtime. I hated eating. I couldn't really, I don't like cooking with it. So it was just like, yeah. the whole thing just. And you were adding un- unnecessary stress to, right. your, to your life. But I tried it. And I. I'm so proud of you that you, you did. You have to try things and nothing. And I really committed to this protocol. I really committed to eating meat. And my estrogen stayed at 11. So I was just like, you know what? I, I'm not. <laughs> Why gonna am I torturing myself? I'm not going to. And I, it was like, I would say a good two and a half months that I was incorporating meat in my diet. And then I was like, if it's if it's working, I'll continue. But if it's not working, then why should I do this? And I do – my latest fertility post was how I, I didn't need another fertility doctor. I needed therapy. And I think that that was the only practitioner that I didn't see throughout this whole process. And I think it's yeah. really under – Rated or undervalued um, that was literally my next question. Yeah. <laughs> for you was, did you have a therapist during this? Uh, and I ended up doing yoga teacher training, which for yeah. me was therapy and i and I dealt with my stress in a very constructive way, I think, uh for me, and that ended up if I could look back and think like, what do I think how do I think the, the last treatments worked or the last treatment worked? I think I really took dealing with stress in a serious way and had – and I had spoken to my mom right before we knew we were pregnant and I was like, I think I need a therapist. I think I need to really talk about this with with someone professionally because it was just taking a toll on me mentally and then we ended up getting pregnant, but that was going to be my next step.
0: Yeah. I – after my second failed IUI, I was walking out of the Whole Foods in Union Square and I was on the phone with my mom when I happened to get Dr. Foreman's email letting me know I wasn't pregnant. This is why I didn't want the good news in an yeah. email—bad connotation. And you know, it's the second time it didn't work. At this point, it was like, yeah, the year and a half of trying, and I fucking lost it. Yeah. I was on the sidewalk, and I went—I I had a panic attack. Like I was shaking, I couldn't breathe. My poor mother was on the on the other line, yeah. and I wish that I wasn't talking to anyone. But it just—I happened to be on the phone with her when I like heard the the email. Bing. And I, like, conveniently had – was going to go see Dr. Lipman, which is why I was in the city. And when when she, my mom heard me going through this, she said, Rachel, it's time to see a therapist. And yeah. my, my I didn't grow up in a house that was, like, pro-therapy. Like, when I struggled with, like, different, like, body image issues in college, like, it was not, like, go to therapy. Right. Like, it, it just was never always the answer. My parents are open-minded to anything that'll support me. But I didn't grow up in a home that was, like, definitely see a therapist. And when my mom was like, you need to go see therapy, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to look into this. So I immediately went and saw Dr. Lippman and he recommended a therapist to me. I saw her two times, which she happens to be his daughter, by the way. And it was at the same center. So I'm like, great, this is perfect, cozy. I know where it is. I'm not like, again, starting another right, relationship right. with another practitioner. Maybe like her dad could fill her in a little bit. Um, And I went to her like twice and then got pregnant. And it, I think it's I. In retrospect, obviously, what we did like worked in the end. But I do wish that I started that process the same time I saw an acupuncturist because I'm not someone who goes to therapy now. Even though I could definitely u- utilize that on for many different reasons, but and most people wait until like a bomb went off right. to then go see a therapist. Right. And there's so much
1: benefit to going
0: to one before. Right. Absolutely,
1: that. And it might not even be. A therapist, quote unquote, or like a psychiatrist. something that's therapeutic. It's, right, it's something that's therapeutic. So I even think like when my clients are seeing me, I'm not only talking about food, and I'm really, honestly, like now I focus with every single one of them so much on stress because it doesn't matter how much kale you're eating if you are a ball of stress all day long, there you're not going to reach your goals, and we have to deal with diet and lifestyle and especially stress altogether. So sorry um, So it might not be an actual therapist. It could be just anywhere where you you feel like you are talking and someone's listening to you. And as much as we love our doctors, it's rare that a doctor will call you on the phone and talk to you for an hour. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why he really likes me, though. And (laughs) we're very like, well, uh, but you need someone and it, it. I, I have the most amazing relationship with my family and my friends, but like it just kind of needs to be someone outside and something that really is therapeutic to you. Uh, so my yoga teacher training was really helpful for me just to like breathe and move with people and and talk about my frustrations and my stress. And then I actually started to reduce stress in my life, like like actually did it. And it's great to go to acupuncture it's great to go to a yoga class. It's great to meditate. But if you, every single day when you open the mail, if something is frustrating you and every single day, like X is frustrating you and stressing you out, like you have to deal with those everyday things. All the acupuncture in the world isn't going to help you with that.
0: One of the last things I want to talk to you about is did about Rob and like when, how he was during this journey. Now, Jordan is always very, very supportive in pretty much everything I do. He definitely is, like I said, someone who hides his feelings a little bit more. But he was like, Dr. Jordan, like, giving me the injections, especially Mm -hmm. during manicure. Like, that was every night. He had to come home a lot earlier to do so. And how – like, he – Definitely was pretty bummed during all of this process, but was so positive at the same time to the point where, like, it drives me crazy mm-hmm, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, can't you just say this fucking sucks? Like, I don't need you to tell me we're going to get pregnant. You I know, just need you to tell I me, know. like, this sucks. How was Rob during this situation, like, and also, like, any advice on, like, what you can tell,
1: like, spouses that they should do to, like, help support their, like, wives or husbands, vice versa? I totally did not pay attention to... My husband's <laughs> feelings like Oh he was, okay I mean he's really positive He was so supportive He's He the also most seems really easy going He was so easy going I'm like you have to be the doctor this time Whatever uh, And so he was so fantastic But I didn't adequately think about The toll that this was taking on him And you know, maybe I'll just blame Clomid Just like completely It's fine when it hormones, the hormones. But um, there was a point where he kind of broke down and i was like i need to also be aware that he's going through this and if Mm. anything it's harder on him because he's watching me having to do everything helpless completely helpless um I'm, like, complaining about paper that comes in the mail. Like, you know, that's what I'm, like, going crazy about uh, every single day. So – and, you know, he's from Scotland. They have a much different approach to seeing doctors than we do. So the whole thing was kind of a foreign experience for him. And I was like, we have to – I have to, like, make sure that he's okay, too. Like, this is – and it it feels good to also – care for (laughs) you yeah and they want to be as much as
0: like you right and
1: and i it is there are two people going through the whole thing and to make sure that we're both being supported we started doing this date thing where every other month we plan a date for each other which was really yeah really fun we kind of forgot about it for a little bit but you
0: better hop to it couple but um apple
1: picking last month was mine so i'm happy i was there for that uh and a lot of times it's like after the fact we're like oh that'll be our that'll count as our date but uh certain things like that really helped just for the two of us to kind of take our mind off of things and do something nice for each other but I'm so fortunate that I have such a supportive husband throughout all of it and, you know, also that we had, you know, such amazing family support too. I can't imagine having to to go through all this without that, but it definitely took its toll on him i feel
0: like i can ask you a million more questions but we've been recording for so long um we might have to have another <laughs> another episode of people have more questions regarding infertility or fertility or anything but i have some like final like fun questions i want to have nothing to do with babies or anything love it um the first one is and i also i ask these questions to everyone which you okay. don't know them i don't know technically the podcast is oh, not launched nervous. yet um no they're fun you'll okay. i think you'll like them okay what is one wellnessy trend that drives you crazy? Like a pet a wellnessy trend pet peeve? Like <sighs> I'm just making this up, like celery juice or I'm like intermittent fasting or like anything that has to do with like a trend that you see on like Instagram or anywhere oh my that you're God. like, can people just stop doing this already?
1: <laughs> well, hit me. Uh, it's okay if I do I, it. Honestly, it's it's any trendy product that claims to be healthy that's wrapped in plastic okay because i had a feeling this was going to be it. <laughs> that's not healthy it's not anything healthy anything that you buy in plastic right it well mostly it's these companies who are like oh i have this new great plant-based healthy healthy bite or ball and it only has three ingredients but it's wrapped in plastic for you to enjoy <laughs> So that you get the toxic plastic (laughs) and the world dies. So I'm like, you're missing the point. Stop. So that, so any package, any package, any package food. food. What is one wellnessy trend that you buy into? Hmm. Honestly, anything that makes you feel good. So I don't care. I, I mean, I do care about the science, but like I'm less concerned. About the science, if nothing's going to hurt you and if it just makes you feel really great, then like go for it. Like if you really like celery juice and you that's feel not great. That's a trend
0: that you buy into. No,
1: but like if you <laughs> feel really great having it and you know that they're using a compost for the fiber that's left over after the juice.
0: I think that yours is just going to be the bulk bin. I'm gonna answer for you. Is like that a that's, trend? I think so. It's a trend from you start. You're starting. It's a wellnessy okay. trend. Like you're motivating people. Okay, so to feel good about themselves yes. and like cut edit out. Yeah, Rachel yeah. Has a I think answer. no, no, no. I want yes, you yes, to answer. give your answer, no, no, but no. like. I, we need a more, like, specific – Like, I think that – Okay. And bringing your jars or, like, your bowls somewhere and having – I'm so having, happy
1: that you think these that are wellness tr- trends. That is
0: a trend. Okay. Oh, well, my God. It's then, so yes, trendy. Those are definitely – Yay!
1: It. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes you feel good, so – It does. See, that's, yeah. like, good. Bringing your own everything. Yeah. And shopping in bulk. See, I got you. You got me. The next one,
0: which I don't know, actually, what your answer is going to be for this, but – Oh, no, no. There's one before this. If you – I'm excited to ask you this because you've had so many different paths thus far. If you weren't an RD or a lawyer, what career path would you be? Like, what's another job (laughs) that you're passionate about? Or a yoga teacher?
1: I – A jack um, of many dreams. I mean, this is sort of a cheat because I am one, but I think an environmental lawyer I would have really been happy with.
0: I like that answer. Um. And the other, this is the one I don't know what you'll have for this, but growing up, did you ever go to fast food restaurants?
1: Yes. Okay. What was your go-to order? My go-to order? I loved. And what chain? The chocolate Frosty at Wendy's. Wendy's.
0: Did you get fries
1: to dip it in? Oh, no. Come on,
0: man. In the
1: Frosty.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yes.
1: No. No. It's like
0: sweet and salty like a chocolate-covered pretzel.
1: No, no, that's not okay. Like a we'll chocolate make, we'll make that happen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know that like, someone out there, like, like, yeah, Rachel, I like that, and then like plain are- French fries, okay, and the chocolate, fr- but like the mini one that came with something. I don't know what it came with. Maybe it was a oh, kids' I meal or something, but it wasn't Maybe. like a big one. It was just like this little, like an addiction. Oh, cap. I'd get like
0: the big one because go bigger, go home. I guess when I was growing up was my motto. And then the last one is it's like your last day on earth, or like your dream day of food from breakfast to the moment from sunrise to sunset, the moment you get up to the moment you go to sleep. What are you eating? Like your three meals and snacks? I would
1: love a bagel. <laughs> a bagel in the morning. <laughs> a bagel and for lunch. What's on it? What's on it? Cream cheese. Just, just plain cream cheese. Um, I mean, if if like okay, what kind of bagel? I, can, I can really go crazy because I'm making this all up. Okay, so. I would love a healthy bagel, okay. but like a whole wheat bagel from anywhere is okay. fine too. And I would love a tofu cream cheese if we could, but like, the more specific, and, the better. Yeah, yeah. So that would be my breakfast. Uh, I'd also love a cappuccino with that. Okay. You're so fancy. Yeah. You must be married. To I, <laughs> I really, <laughs> lo- really love a cappuccino. Uh, for lunch, a vegan Caesar salad. I'm a sucker for a vegan Caesar salad. Is there
0: somewhere that makes a good one that you like?
1: I really like all vegan Caesar salads. Uh, okay. I had to pick my favorite. Blossom in the city makes a really I've never good eaten there. I think they changed their name, oh. but I really liked.
0: Cafe Gratitude in Southern California has
1: a really good one. I hear that that's Caesar. really, I'm yeah, sure that I would love that. it. I just, if that's on the menu, I just to It's a
0: go-to. Mm-hmm. I feel like you can't fuck that up. It's easy.
1: Yeah. And then probably a veggie burger for dinner with like some sweet potato fries.
0: Do you make your own veggie burgers?
1: I have made my own veggie burgers. Usually they – I like to make a meatball usually. It's easier. Yeah. It's easier, <laughs> easier to form. <laughs> and what is your dessert? My dessert would have to be like an avocado chocolate mousse. Really – enjoy that and there's my my favorite restaurant in this in long island is called purple elephant and they have the most amazing chocolate mousse made with avocado
0: there's a recipe in my book that's a chocolate chip cake double layer chocolate cookie cake with an avocado like
1: cacao frosting, frosting. oh my god I need mm-hmm. that right now yeah it's so good a good it's thing a I pre-ordered coffee. your <laughs> oh thank you thanks for the support yeah. <laughs> thank you so much well Abby
0: thank you thank, thank you for you. sitting in my bedroom oh, with it was me so much fun and I can't wait for everyone to listen to this and if you guys don't forget to follow Abby at Abby's food court and we're going to have Abby back on for all the sustainability tips and wisdom and everything because I need it. Although I make really good strides and proud of myself, but I definitely need to do a lot better. But we I want to have you on me. when you're a mom officially <sighs> oh God, with the baby, gonna, baby. I feel like it's tomorrow. It could be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> and so you can teach also some like mom tips because I have like a laundry list of like things. And I think that's going to be an epic, epic space for you to tap into. I'm I'm excited. excited. Thanks guys. Talk soon.